Welcome to Garden Church Podcast. We are in a series called Reconstructing Church. We want to talk about what it means to be the church today. How do we live out the mission of Jesus today with the cultural challenges we face in Christianity? The Book of Acts will be our guide as we learn to rebuild the church together in the power of the Holy Spirit. For more information, go to garden.church. Otherwise, enjoy this podcast. All right, well, uh, we're in a series called Reconstructing Church, and I have a dear friend with us today. Um, he has been, I mean, he is one of the senior leaders at Bethel. He's written lots of books. He is, um, he's been a really influential person in my, my marriage and in my life, in my wife's life, and uh, he's got lots of things going on, but he has been, for us, a prophetic voice into our community. And so will you welcome Chris Vallotton as he comes up? to our stage. Chris, you want me to pray for you right now? Uh, gonna, no, no you. You're going to do your thing. Okay, you got this. <laughs> no, no, come up here. I'm just being funny. I was taking out your word, you know? I want to honor your yes and no. So, <laughs> Lord, I thank you for the time we get with this man and the gift he's been to us as he's helped build um, and accelerate the mission here. And I ask, Lord, for favor as he preaches, but as he delivers these words, I pray we'd be good soil, that we'd steward the seeds he plants and honor you, Lord, through that process in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, I hope that worked. <laughs> we, uh, we went to the Laker game two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. And uh, that was fun. We got really good seats. Darren got us really good seats. And so uh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> then Darren's like, you want to work for it? I'm, I'm, okay. So we're at the Laker game, and the Lakers are up like 12 points at halftime, and there's a, guy, a few guys sitting next to me, and I'm kind of like, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm a CPA. I'm like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, you know, obviously, yeah, I wasn't into it. And, <laughs> and I said, I'm here to pray for the Lakers. That's, my, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> And he's like, oh, pray hard. So every time they, they do something wrong, he's like, bro, are you praying? I'm like, I am. So I said to Darren at halftime, man, let's get some popcorn. So, because they're up by 12. And so we go to get popcorn. It takes us like forever. And we get back and they're down by 14 and after halftime. And the guy looks at me and he goes, where were you? And he goes, look at this. That is your fault. <laughs> So I stayed uh, uh, really connected to the 49ers last night. Was, I also intercede for them, so didn't want to have the same problem at halftime. So you know, we were all together. I'm like, guys, be quiet. Watch the game. Watch and pray. That's what we do. So anyway, go 49ers. And if you uh, like someone else, I just rebuked you in Jesus' name. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. So uh, I'm going to pray for you just in case Darren's prayer didn't work. Lord, I... Thank you for what you're doing here today, and uh, sincerely, Lord, I just thank you for the way that you're moving among us globally and also locally here, and I pray your blessing on everything we talk about today, that you would move with power as we, as we interact today, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. That clock, is it, is it going up or down? Don't, yeah, you have to leave at a certain time. <laughs> I preach the eternal gospel. We just have a watch so we know if the date changes. Um, I just want to share a few books. Uh, this is uh, Uprising, the Epic Battle for the Most Fatherless Generation in History. 
And I don't know if you're aware of it, but we are the most fatherless generation in modern history in which our fathers are alive but not home. And so uh, I really believe there's a move of God happening there. Um, this heavy rain. This is about cultural transformation. Would anyone like this? Awesome. You can buy that on Amazon. <laughs> Alex, give this to somebody, would you please? Um, and this is uh, Poverty, Riches, Wealth. And uh, it's actually about poverty, riches, and wealth. That's why it's on the title. And uh, that's a really, it's actually a really good book. And this is Spiritual Intelligence, The Art of Thinking Like God. You know, um, the really, you ha- we have a tremendous advantage as believers because we can think tri-dimensionally. Like most people have IQ and EQ, but we also have SQ. Yeah. We have spiritual intelligence. And actually, having the mind of Christ isn't just about uh, thinking like God, it's actually thinking God thoughts. And so I'm super excited about that, and um, you can get those books on Amazon. I didn't bring any except for those. So um, I, I want to kind of extend what Darren was saying and, and correct some of his theology. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry if you haven't ever heard me preach. I tend to be just, I tend to be just a little sarcastic. Um, no, on a serious note, I want to talk about the gospel of power. I know that uh, this would be like part two of, of the series that, that Darren's doing. And um, I want to talk about the fact that God has called all of us to walk in power. Not just a few people, not just the, the leaders of a church. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, we need the power and presence of God in the darkest places of the planet and in the cesspools of every part of society is where we actually need the power of God. And I'm reminded in the book of Ezekiel where um, Ezekiel uh, talks about a stream that, that flows from, from the sanctuary and he talks about how, the, how it trickles out from under the sanctuary door. So we, we get this picture of the, the river that it, it, it begins by trickling under the sanctuary door. In other words, flowing out of the church. But, you know, for the sake of time, I'll just say this, that did you notice that the further he gets from the sanctuary, the deeper the river gets? So he gets like 100 yards from the sanctuary, and it's like to his ankles, and then 200 yards to his, his, uh, to his knees, and 300 yards to his, to his loins, and 400 yards to uh, it gets, the river gets so deep that he, it, it's a river you can't ford. And I'd like to point out that the... the that it's a, it's a prophetic picture of the further you get from the church, the, the greater the miracles, the greater the power of God's moving. And I really think that's God's, God's intention is for us not to keep it in, yep. you know, but literally that we get trained in it. Like, I believe that the main purpose of church, um, you know, it's not the only purpose, but the main purpose of church is not to see this, the lost saved. I think that's the... the, the and I'm talking about church gathering. Sorry, church gathering on Sunday. But I think, the, I think that people, more people are going to get saved in places uh, who, who, that people would never come to church. But I think that the, the main purpose of church is to train, equip, and deploy people into, into every realm of culture so that ultimately we make disciples of nations. And so, um, but, uh, so I want to talk uh, uh, about... Uh, the power of God in this. Again, this would be, Darren and I kind of had a conversation about what he taught, so I, I kind of have a, a part two. And I, first, I, I want to tell you my story because I, I think it will help you to connect with um, uh, connect with why this message is not 
so much a teaching, but it's an expression of how God's led me. Uh, uh, for those of you that wouldn't know me, um, my father drowned when I was three years old. And then I had two very mean stepfathers, which I will not go into that story, but um, my mother divorced the, my first stepfather when I was 13. And uh, she married him when I was five, divorced him when I was uh, 13. And then between 13 and 15, my mother was single and it was just a really, really hard time. And we had a prowler in our house uh, almost for a year, about 11 months. And he, he, he broke into our house twice. He knocked on our windows nearly every night. And we had the police out nearly every night for 11 months. And so my mother, um, um, a, a really beautiful woman, I, I have a brother and a sister also that are younger. So my mother was sleeping on the couch with a, a rifle because he, he had got in our house twice. And uh, she was covered in psoriasis, I mean, like everywhere, like, er all, like everywhere. And, um, and I, I, I wasn't raised to know God. The most influential person in my life was my grandfather, and he was an atheist. Well, he was an atheist till the last year of his life, and I led him to the Lord. And he saw angel, angels came and taught him the Bible. It's really powerful. Yeah, and then he, uh, he died from a, a brain tumor, and <laughs> it was really powerful because... It, it didn't affect his thinking, but it affected his optical nerves. So he couldn't, after six months, he couldn't see. And he demanded that, my, that all of my cousins and my uncles and aunts read him the Bible eight hours a day until the day he died. So it was a good evangelism tool. So I was, raised, I was raised with the most influential person, an atheist. I wasn't raised to be an atheist, really. I was just raised to be nothing. And then when my mother went through this thing and we, you know, we had this prowler and it was really crazy. And of course, 15 years old, being the oldest child, really, you know, I listened to my mother cry at night to tell yourself to sleep. I was sleeping with a shotgun. And then this, uh, the prowler got in my room. This is like, time, this is the third time he gets in my room and I, and I'm sleeping with a, with a, with a, I said a shotgun with a rifle. Actually, my mother's sleeping with a shotgun and I yell and he, he jumps out the window and I grab the gun and I shoot at him, thankfully missing him. And then the next night, as you can imagine, I couldn't sleep. And I laid awake and, and I was just like completely and totally, I'd say panicked. Listening to my mother weep, covered in psoriasis, scared to death. We'd already been through hell. And I said out loud, if there's a God, if you heal my mother, I'll find out who you are and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And an audible voice said, my name is Jesus Christ and you have what you requested. I woke up the next morning, my mother was completely well. All the psoriasis was gone. They caught the prowler two days later and the voice came back, I think around a week later. And he said, my name is Jesus Christ. You said, that if, if I healed your mother, you'd serve me and I'm waiting. So um, I had a girlfriend at the time who's now my wife. By the way, I met my wife when she was 12. We got engaged when she was 13. <laughs> True and dysfunctional story. <laughs> got married when she was 17 and we've been married 48 years. And so we began to go after God together. And I didn't know anything about God. I had never read the Bible. But the voice said, my name is Jesus Christ. So I know he wasn't Muhammad. I know he wasn't Buddha. Like, you know, I was like, narrow it down to Jesus Christ, you know? <laughs> and I just went from church to church and, and often with Kathy with me. And we just went from church to church and I'd often go to church churches on Sunday. 
and I would sit always in the back, and I, I, I didn't often stay for the whole service. Uh, sometimes I did, but I, I would, I'd sit in the church and I'd say, well, the God who spoke to me isn't here. Three times I raised my hand to receive Christ, nothing changed in my life. I was super disappointed. And I did that for three years. And then uh, at 18, this, uh, this Jesus freak, which I didn't even know what a Jesus freak was, I, after three years, I still knew nothing about religion. He, uh, he invited me to this group called Halloween Singers. And it was, uh, we get there, and it's, it's in a house. It's like 110, 120 kids packed into a house. They're on the lawn. They're everywhere. And uh, they're, all, they're all like ex-drug addicts. They're all long-haired, freaky people. <laughs> and I wasn't a drug addict. I mean, I'd taken, let me be clear, I, I had taken ibuprofen a few times. <laughs> So there we are, my girlfriend and I, we're sitting on the floor, she's 15, I'm 18, and they start singing, hallelujah, hallelujah. And as they're singing, these young people are standing up, Jesus delivered me from heroin, Jesus healed my epilepsy, Jesus cured my cancer, like three second testimonies while we're worshiping. And and I, I turned to Kathy and I said, the God who spoke to me, he's here. And they... Uh, the young man, after worship, he just said, does anyone want to receive Christ? Raise your hand. I'd already done that three times. I raised my hand. She raised her hand. We prayed the same prayer we had prayed, that I had prayed three other times. And after it was, the whole meeting was over, we were, we were sitting on the front room floor, I, Kathy and I were, and uh, the, the, his name, the leader was named Ken Hughes. He sat down on the floor. He was probably like four years older than us. He was like 22 sat on the floor with us and he explained the gospel in super simple terms. And he said, you're born again and you're like a little baby and you need a father. And he brought over two men who were, again, four years, five years older than us. <laughs> we're all kids. And he, uh, he said, um, you need a father. And he brought these two men over and he said, which one of these men do you want to be your father? <laughs> I just picked the better looking one. <laughs> And he became my father. He became our father. He met with us for three years, every, every, every Friday for three years. And uh, that man changed my life. From that day forward, I never went back. And I knew what it was to be born again into a family. And I realized that that man, that being in a family catalyzed something in me that raising my hand didn't. It changed my life forever. And uh, from that day on, we were radical believers. And we got married two years later. I have, we have uh, 11 grandkids and a great-grandson. All my kids love the Lord. Three of them, four of them are pastors. Four of my, three of my kids are pastors. Four of my kids' grandkids are pastors. And, um, and I'd say that you know, we are radicals for Jesus. So you know, uh, I love the saying, if you've been birthed in fire, smoke will never do. It took 10 years before I ran into someone who didn't believe that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God was for today. I thought he was crazy. I'm like, are you reading the same Bible? Like, like how could I not believe that the power of God is for today when I, the audible voice of God is how I got saved? And so, you know, people ask all the time, like, when did you start, like, moving in prophecy? Like, I never knew 
a world with no prophecy from the day I found the Lord. I, I was with the Jesus people. They, they didn't know the Bible, but they knew prophecy really well. <laughs> Our theology was a little screwy, but <laughs> they all love God. Sorry, that didn't go well here. This is a highly educational place. <laughs> I'm from Weaverville. <laughs> we study the maps. <laughs> So, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is a verse you know well. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things become new. I, I want to just point out something really simple, but he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. In the Greek, there's two words for the word new. One's like, I got a new car, and the other is the word prototype. It means never before created. This is the word prototype. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a prototype. It means, the, the meaning of the verse is that we are a creature. When we received Christ, we became a creature that had never graced the planet before. Thus, Peter calls us strangers and aliens. I, I think it's powerful, but let me quote the, the previous verse, which is rarely quoted anywhere. And, 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 and for me, the last two years, the previous verse is having the greatest impact on me. And it says this, it's first, 2 Corinthians 5.16. It says, we know, we know each other no longer after the flesh. For we knew Christ this way once, but we know him this way no longer. Then the next verse says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And the point that Paul's actually trying to make, like the, the pretext to if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The pretext is we actually are supposed to know each other after the spirit. <laughs> Can I say future present and not past present? How important is it that we begin to relate to each other future present? Am I making any sense? Like, I'm not supposed to actually know you from where you've come from to where you are. I'm actually supposed to know you after who God's called you to be and who God's created you to be. I remember um, years ago, would you guys know who Danny Silk is? Uh, In our circles, he's he's quite famous, uh, uh, famous teacher. I led Danny to Christ. Well, actually, Bill prayed for him. Yeah, and Danny credits Bill for leading him to Christ, which is unfair because for five years, every freaking week, like I'm like, you need Jesus, bro. Then he goes to church and raises his hand. It's just wrong. (laughs) And Danny was a drug addict, and he was a drug pusher and a drug addict, and he lived in our little town of Weaverville. And then what's really powerful about this story is that none of our congregation knew him, our little congregation of 200 people. They didn't know him because he was running with a different crowd. I worked with him in a tire store. It's how I got to know him and, uh, uh, when he was 16. So um, about four years after working with him in a tire store, and I had my own shop. He came in one day and he said to me, hey, I want to do that thing. I'm like, what thing? I, was, I worked on his car all the time. So like, I want to do that thing. I'm like, what thing? He says, you know that thing? I said, no, I don't know what thing you're talking about. He goes, you know that thing where you pray that prayer and then you're a Christian? You want to be a Christian? He's like, yeah. I said, oh, why don't you come to church Sunday? He's like, yeah, okay. So he comes to church. Bill preaches. Does anyone receive Christ? He raised his hand. Bill got the caller. (laughs) I did all the work. And Danny becomes a Christian. But the part I want to tell you about is, as I said to you, nobody knew who Danny was. And so about three or four weeks later, a prophet came to our church, and that was very common for us in our little town. And, uh, and this prophet preached, and in the midst of his preaching, he stopped and he called a few people out, two actually that morning, and Danny was one of them. 
And he has Danny stand up, and he gives Danny this crazy word. I don't actually remember that. I mean, Danny's had a lot of words over him where I was present. I don't remember which one he gave him, but it was something like this. You are a man of God. You will be the next James Dobson. And he gave him this whole word about being amazing. What was profoundly powerful about it is that prophetic word. You know, prophecy is both foretelling I'm telling the future and foretelling I'm causing the future. Right? Ezekiel's bones. Can these bones live? How many know when Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, he wasn't telling the future, he was causing the future. And when, when, when that man prophesied over Danny and told him what an amazing man that he, he was, how many of you know, he wasn't calling things as they were. <laughs> he call, he's calling things that are not as, the, as though they were. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, because no one else knew him, except for me, the, maybe a couple other people in our congregation, they began to treat him not past present, but future present. Yes. And what happened is it created a highway a highway for him to come into his destiny, and consequently, he became our next pastor in Weaverville and Bill left. And to this day, he's an incredible man of God. My point is, how important is it for us to move in power? How important is it for us to move in the gifts of the Spirit? It's not just for us. It's for, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't care if I have a gift of the Spirit. Well, you care if you change someone's life? <laughs> I mean, if someone's sick, would you not want to heal them? <laughs> if someone, if someone is, 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 is you know, oppressed, would you not want to free them? If somebody doesn't know where they're going in life, would you not want to prophesy their future? Is it not more important for them to know what God thinks about their future than what you think about their future? So these are things that are important to me. <laughs> Thank you, God. And so um, Darren t- taught this. I just want to jump on this. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When they had come together, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it this time that you're restoring the kingdom, of he- uh, kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the time of the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. And this verse right here I know was the main text of last week. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the world. I, I, I love this verse because uh, Jesus in uh, John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had already received the Holy Spirit. But then he says to them, but don't leave this place until you receive what the Father has promised. So can I point out that they had already received the Holy Spirit. That's right. And then he says to them, don't leave this place until you receive what the Father has promised. So they're excited. They've seen Jesus you know, rise from the dead. They've, seen, they've been with him. And they have actually participated in healing the sick. And, and I don't know if they raised the dead. It's not recorded, but they healed the sick. They cast out demons. They preached the gospel. And so they, they have done the stuff. Now they're actually believers, right? They're born again believers. Jesus breathed on them on John 20. And then he tells them, okay, you receive the spirit, but I want you to not, le- listen, you're not ready yet to go preach the gospel until you actually receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait for the power on high. And so they, they, they are in the room, and you know the story. They're all praying one in one accord, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit was that they, were, you know, they felt drunk. The Holy Spirit was, made them feel drunk. They were prophesying, and, and, and then they began to move in Holy Spirit power. I want to point out that Jesus didn't say, when you, you know, when you receive but when you receive power from on high, you'll go witnessing. He said, you'll be my witnesses. And I want to point out there's a difference between witnessing and being a witness. 
Witnessing is where I tell you about it. Being a witness is where I am at. Being a witness is where I, when you see me, you go, there must be a God. Are you with me? So I want to talk a little bit about the power of God. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, Therefore in Christ I have found the reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak anything except for Christ, what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by the word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that in Jerusalem and around, all the way from Achillium, I fully preach the gospel of Christ. Paul counts that signs and wonders and miracles are a part of fully preaching the gospel of Christ. Are you with me? I just want to convince you that I'm right about that. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 4.18, he says this, um, Now some have become arrogant as though I wasn't coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words which those who are arrogant, uh, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist of words, but power. And I'd like to point out that it's, it's great to preach, but if you can't move in power, how many know the gospel is about moving in power? Yes, yes Chris? Yes. Let's try that again. That was very poor. Yes, Chris? Yes, Chris. Oh, that's better. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says this, my message and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but demonstrations of the spirit of power. I could go on and on and on, but you get the point that God wants us to move in power. I, I, I was remembering, uh, I was in D.C., this is about, oh gosh, probably five years ago, before, a couple years before COVID, and um, I was uh, you know, uh, at the D.C. prayer breakfast, and at the prayer breakfast, the president speaks every year, and then they break out into small groups, you're there, you're in a, a hotel with about, I think it's about 3,700 people come to the prayer breakfast every year. And it's you know, based around the governmental political world, so uh, people from all over the world that are in government or interested in government are there. And so we, and then they break out in small groups and some like they break out in women's groups, they break out in different country groups, in like groups of 100, groups of 70. And uh, this one gal who, her husband's a senator, she, uh, she said, uh, her name's Grace, she said, could you come and speak to my women. And she has this ministry to first ladies, uh, mayor's wives, governor's wives, and, and from all over the world, president's wives. And so it was just a, a, a small group of 70, a, about 50 women and about 20 men. And she said, could you speak on empowering women? Because I, I wrote a book called Fashion to Rain about empowering women. So she's like, it's, it'll just be like a 20 minute talk. And, and she said, uh, a lot of these people aren't Christians. So if you could just like, just talk about the, the idea of empowering women and how God wants women empowered. So we did that. I went, it was, uh, it was actually pretty boring. Uh, we were, you know, kind of in this big circle and, you know, I actually only got like 12 minutes to speak and my, great. And we got all done, you know, everybody's in suits and the ladies are in, you know, dress, everybody's dressed to the nines and it's, it's kind of one of those things. And, and then afterwards, they kind of have a little social. And so everybody's hanging around and there's a little bit of uh, snacks and food. And you kind of mingle with all these people. And it's more like get to know people from other places than it is about teaching, right? And so we're, Kathy and I and uh, two of our friends are doing that. And we're, we're, we're talking to this couple from uh, Latin America. And he was a former, of a, he was a former um, uh, tr uh, head of transportation in his country. Now he's running for president. 
And he's like, he's probably 40 years old. He's, they look like Barbie and Ken, you know? It's like, it, she's beautiful. She's in a very short dress. And they, they speak Spanish and, and very broken English. And I speak no Spanish. So we're, we're kind of interacting with him. You know, we're kind of like trying to figure out what they're saying and trying to figure out what we're saying. And, and while we're talking, I see a sword sticking out of her stomach. You understand? It, it's, it's invisible. And I see the sword sticking out of her stomach, and, I, and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, what do I do? Because, you know, in church I would know what to do, but like, we're not in church, right? So, you know, and, and it's like, it's really so obvious. Like, as she turns, it goes like that, and I'm like, wow, that is bad, you know? <laughs> and my poor wife, she's the non-risk lady who's been with me forever, since she was 12, right? So, so, I, so finally, it's so obvious to me, I finally say, um, Ma'am, can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? She's, uh, sure, sure, yes. I said, uh, you have a sword in your stomach. <laughs> they don't, you know, English isn't their first language. She's like, I'm sorry, sorry? I said, a sword, you know, like a sword? She's like, yes? I said, in your stomach. <laughs> There's a sword in your stomach. And she goes, in my stomach? I say, uh-huh. And her husband's like, he's a big tall guy. He's like, and I said, can I pull it out? And she said, where is it? I said, it's right here. She said, I have bad pain years. I go doctor all over the world. I said, yeah. She said, I said, and they can't find anything wrong with you, right? Can't find. I said, there's a sword there. If I pull it out, you'll be fine. <laughs> Can I pull it out? She's, I looked at him and he goes, okay. <laughs> so I said, are you ready? She says, I don't know. I said, oh yeah, you're ready. <laughs> I pull the sword out. I pull the sword out and she falls down backwards. And she's out in a trance, completely out. And her husband, he yells, call 911. I say, no, it's Jesus. <laughs> he said, what? I said, it's Jesus. He said, who? I said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, she'll be okay. Anyway, she lays there for like over five minutes. We have to put a coat over. She has a really short dress. And finally, she wakes up. And she gets up. She sits up. And she starts, she breaks out bawling. She's sitting on the floor. And she starts crying. Her makeup's running down her face. Of course, the whole 70 group is around like, what just happened? She fell down. She fainted. And she gets up. And she starts saying in Spanish to him, my pain's gone. She looks at me, all my pain gone. I'm like, of course, we had a sword in there, we pulled it out. <laughs> By the time we get to the elevator, which holds about 30, 40 people, we get in the elevator, it's like a half an hour later. Remember, we're all in this hotel, right? And we get in the elevator, it's full of po political people. And we're in the elevator, we're all packed in there. And this, this, uh, this uh, I think it was a governor, he, he, go he goes, hey, are you the one that pulled the sword out of the lady? And Kathy's like, yeah, he pulled the sword out. He's like, well, I got this pain right here. They can't find anything wrong. So we start pulling swords out of people. We start praying for healing. People are down everywhere in the hotel. We did that for three days. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm saying moving in power is a lot of fun. You don't have to do anything like the father does the whole thing, right? Good word, Chris. <laughs> you guys look like this. I forget I'm in L.A., <laughs> in Weaverville, they're going, of course, I've done that before. <laughs> they're talking about real sorts. Anyway, 
In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Verse 17, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents if they drink any deadly poison. shall not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I, I, I like this because um, Jesus attaches behaviors to believing. And I, I, uh, I used to do uh, a lot of training for YWAM, and I'd always use this first because they, 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 they told me this to go, we bring you in to bring, we bring, you in to bring the, the wham back in the Y. <laughs> so I'll teach every a week on signs and wonders. So, so, and I would open with this verse, and I'd say, how many of you believe in Jesus? And they'd, all, they'd raise their hand, of course. And I'd say, have you healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons? Because Jesus said, these are the signs that you believe. And I said, is there enough evidence to convince you of being a believer? Then it would go stone quiet. And by the way, I know there's more verses than this, because some of you may be saying, well, I've never healed a sick, raised the dead. Maybe I'm not a believer. No, you probably are. I'm just pointing out that Jesus made a statement that actually it is normal, like it is naturally supernatural to move in power. That's right. That's right. And you're like, I can't heal the sick. Jesus said you can. Yes. Good point, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Jesus said this in John, 12, John 14, 12. Uh, he said, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, greater works will he do when I go to be with the Father. So, you know, we have all this, like, promises. But, by the way, this isn't pressure or condemnation. These are promises. Like, like, if you're living below this, it's not like condemnation, you terrible person. It's like, did anyone ever tell you there's more? That's right. Like, have you ever woke up in the morning and say, there's got to be more than this? Like, yeah. I love Jesus, but there's got to be more than this. Right. Have, you ever, have you ever been in a place where you see someone sick and you're like, I just wish I could change that. I wish I could change their condition. Yes. Or have you ever, have you ever had a, a son or a daughter or a granddaughter or someone close to you who's just kind of like wandering in life and doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing and they go four years to, to university, which I'm great with education, but I'm like, you go four years and, and you think, and, and, and your parents send you away to try to figure out what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I think, I think university is great once you know what you're supposed to That's do right. and you go get trained for it. Right. But knowing more about stuff is not going to take you to what you're supposed to be doing while you were created. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Are you with me at all? Yeah. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And people are like, well, you know, I want the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's like, no, Jesus didn't say one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. Are you with me? He didn't say, he didn't say, you know, if you want some gifts, you can have them. He actually said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Like, it's, we're actually supposed to earnestly desire. Like, like, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> I got these new glasses. Now I can actually see your expression. <laughs> earnestly desire spiritual gifts, uh, especially that you may prophesy. So if you're like, well, what gifts should I desire? Well, there's lots of gifts. Some people think there's, you know, there's nine spiritual gifts. I think there's lots more than that. Yes. But, but he said, but here he says, but especially that you would prophesy. Like, kind of like, if you're not going to do anything else, at least prophesy. <laughs> Are you with me? 
well, I don't want to speak in tongues. You don't have to, but at least prophesy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do deliverance, but at least prophesy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you following me? Yes. Now, prophecy is foretelling. I said this in the beginning. Foretelling means I'm telling you the future. And, and it's foretelling. It means I'm causing the future. Words become worlds. And history becomes his story. Like, how important is it that you call things that are not as though they are? Are you following me? I remember many, many years ago, uh, I think it was the first or second year I was at Bethel, I was teaching on a Sunday night. It, I think it was the first time or second time I'd ever taught at Bethel. And the place was packed. It was like 900,000 people in the room. And, I, and it was one of those days, you know, and I, I don't have these very often, but like I hit a home run. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I decided that I'd start ministering to people. So I was calling some people out, prophesying. It was like one of those days it was actually flowing, not like the 49ers played yesterday. <laughs> and I called, the last guy I called out was a guy in the back. And uh, I called this, guy, this young man out. And he, he, he stood up, a tall, skinny guy. And, um, and, I, and I said to him, I see you as a holy man. And I gave him this whole word about the Nazarite men in the, in the Old Testament where they, their whole life was dedicated to God. And I give this whole word about being holy and about being noble. And, um, and then, you know, and the night was over. Uh, eight years later, I'm, I'm on Sunday morning, I'm up front and I'm praying for people. And this man comes up and he said, do you remember me? I said, no, I, I actually don't. He said, uh, you prophesied over me eight years ago. <laughs> Sorry, I still don't. He said, uh, you, I was on a Sunday night and you called me a holy man. I actually, out of the hundreds of prophecies I gave, I remembered it. I go, I remember you were sitting all the way in the back on a Sunday night. He said, yes. He said, but what you didn't know is I was a heroin addict. Wow. He said, I've been a heroin addict since I was 13. He said, I practically lived in drug rehabs my entire life. And this man was probably 35, 40 years old by now. And he said, and two of my friends, they drugged me to the meeting. And he said, when you called me a holy man, he said, something like electricity went through my body and I instantly got delivered from heroin. He said, I had never worked a day in my life. He said, a month later, I got a job. He said, last year I got married and he brought this woman up with him and we bought a house. And he said, you, do you remember her? I said, I don't. He said, she had hepatitis C. She was, I met her in one of my drug rehabs years earlier. He said, she came up, you prayed for her, and God healed her, and they can't find hepatitis in her body. And we got married, and we bought a house, and I just thought, you probably want to know my story. I mean, I'm sure when I said, you're a holy man, his two friends thought, oh, <laughs> false prophet! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're probably like, this guy is so far off. He's a drug addict. But how many know what, when we, why should we earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially to prophesy? How many know we can change a life in a moment? We had a governor at our house last week having dinner with his wife. His wife and him came for dinner. We had, I had ministered to him just a week before online, and he's a current governor of, of, a, of a state. And then that morning, the next morning, we arranged for a group of eight prophetic people to be around him, and they just began to speak into his wife's life, into his life. He was weeping, and he was like, this is what I needed. 
I need to come here. He flew his private jet in. And I, I'm just like, people are hungry. Like, what is God saying to me? What am I supposed to, this man's loved God since he was, when he was eight years old, the Lord told him, you will be the governor of this state. I want to protect where he's from. You will be the governor of this state when he was eight years old. And he said, I'm the governor, but I have all these problems. And people were speaking into the problems that they didn't even know about. He left there. He told me, he wrote me afterwards. He said, that was the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. What I'm getting at is like, this prophecy isn't for you. Like you, you, you are the, you're just the delivery person. You're the mailman, but you got some good mail to give out. Are you with me? Like you want to move in power. Think about the things that are happening in your own family. What if the Lord gives you a word that changes them forever? Are, are you following me? I, I, like, I, feel like, I feel like we're in this halftime right now where the Lord, you know, at halftime like in football games, it's not just a time of rest. It's a time to look at film from the first half and have a new strategy. And I feel like the Lord is creating new strategies for us in our life. Jesus went 30 years with seemingly no ministry. We, didn't, we don't even know much about the first 30 years. When I, when I hear, when I, when, I, when, I, when I feel like, okay, I'm supposed to be Christ-like, what I actually think about is three and a half years of Jesus' life, not 33. I don't know about you, because I don't know much about that. But he goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and he comes out after his halftime, and he's a completely different moving and power guy. And for three and a half years, he moves in signs and wonders and power. And guess what? So dynamic was three and a half years of his life, right? That literally in 1582, we changed the calendar. We changed our calendar to put Christ at the center and say everything before Christ was BC. (laughs) And everything after was amazing (laughs) and dynamic. I just changed that. (laughs) No, it's some like Latin thing, but... I'm like three and a half years. All he did was take a time out and everything shifted. What if this morning is a dynamic shift for you? What if you took this word to heart and you said, I'm going to begin to move in power. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not just going to tell my friends about Jesus. Like I'm personally going to be a witness. When they walk out of my, my, when they walk out of an encounter with me, they're going to know there's a living God. God's going to read their mail. God, are you with me? And I feel like I'm here to mess you up <laughs> in a good way, to good, good mess. It's a good mess. Um, yeah, there's, there's five minutes left. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, you're in black right there. I think I said hi to you this morning. Could you stand up? You're a woman. Yes, you. You're a woman. <laughs> guess around here there's a lot more choices. <laughs> Sorry, that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> I feel like you're like Joan of Arc. I feel like there's a warrior spirit on you that I, I, I see people behind you and I see you like um, cutting through this jungle, m- making the way for people. Isaiah 62 says, go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, um, uh, remove the stones, cast up a highway, and say, here comes the Lord. Here comes the Lord of salvation. And I, I feel like that you are, that you, uh, the Lord is anointing you for this season to clear the way for many more people. And I see uh, business people behind you. I see people who never been interested in the gospel, 
And I see the Lord anointing you with this prophetic mantle. I see you calling people out. I see you, your house. Um, I see you sitting in your house with 40, 50 uh, people that are, uh, you know, of, of high statue who don't have never had like their like money and status is their their gig. And I see you like sharing the word of the Lord with them. I see people falling on the floor just as you speak, just not because you did anything, just because the Lord is. Uh, he's acknowledging what he's called you to do with wonders and miracles and signs. And, um, and so can you just put your hands up right now? Lord, I just bless this woman. I pray that not only would she be uh, a great um, uh, orator of truth, but that she would be a miracle worker. And I pray that you would put her among people that, uh, that have no interest in the gospel and that she would demonstrate um, the, the advantage of a superior kingdom. And I just bless her, and I pray her house would be a house of joy, a house of laughter, and a house of fun. Yes. I thank you for her in Jesus' name. Um, did anyone have, in the last month, a dream about Jesus on a white horse? If you did, could you stand quickly? I have a word for you. If you had a dream about Jesus on a white horse, we'll, we'll try it next service, too. Anybody? Okay, second thing, did, um, is there anybody in here that has Hodgkin's disease? Hodgkin's disease or you have somebody in, uh, close to you that has it, could you stand? I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, does anyone want that disease? Just <laughs> Huh? Oh, you have a friend? I have a friend too. <laughs> Jesus is, <laughs> um, yeah, just put your hands out. I, I felt the Lord wanted to heal Hodgkin's disease today, and, uh, and so I just pray right now that the Lord would uh, anoint you, especially to heal this disease. And I pray that as you talk to your friend and lay hands on your friend, that we'd hear a great testimony yes. of her, her being completely and totally healed. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the, uh, about a couple minutes ago, um, several people in here, your hands started to get really hot. Like, it's not uh, a symptom you've ever had before, and it's not something you have to imagine. Like, it feels like, almost like electricity's running through your hands. Would you stand if that's you? I have a prophetic word for you. Stand if that's you. There'll be four more people. There's one more person. Okay, good. Um, would you put your hands out like this? I felt the Lord was going to anoint miracle workers among us. And he was going to give this sign that this is something that will happen to you. And, uh, and often when somebody uh, passes you in a store or is in your presence and, and they need healing, this sign will come back to you. And so I just release right now in Jesus' name the healing power of Jesus that you would walk in power, that you'd walk in signs and wonders. And when people get in your presence that literally that this, this, his virtue would flow from you to the sick in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one more. Would you sit, please? Um, your mouth, like your tongue area and your lip area, is, uh, feels like it's on fire right now. Would you stand right now if that's you? You don't have to imagine it. It's not a symptom you've ever had before, but would you just stand right now? Don't come up afterwards, because if you don't have the courage to stand, you won't have the courage to carry it anyway. Yeah, that's it. Stand up, please. But there's two more. Would you stand, please, if it's you? There's one more, please. It's right over there. That's happening to you. Would you stand, please? Okay, we'll do you two. 
uh, 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 I feel like there's a prophetic mantle on you. And um, uh, would you just put your hands out like this. Lord, I pray for uh, dreams and visions and prophetic declarations to flow from these women in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would just, uh, that you would just, that a mantle would just fall on them and that they would just even go home today and it would suddenly see people and, and, and think, oh, this is what the Lord wants for you. This is what the Lord's doing in your life. And I just release that over you in Jesus' name. Is there someone over there that's happening to you right now? Would you stand up? Yes, thank you. And Lord, I bless what you're doing this woman. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that she, uh, she also carries this Joan of Arc thing. But Lord, I pray that with the courage that you would also give her this prophetic gift that would flow for her, first for her family, and then for her friends. And then I see people coming to your house to hear the word of the Lord. Like they're gonna be like, I heard, I heard that you have this gift. Can you, can you tell me what the Lord's saying about me? And I see a line of people streaming to your house over the next two years to hear the word of the Lord. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Now would you all stand? Thank you. Okay. My job in the body of Christ is to airdrop gifts to you. It's called impartation, right? Paul said, I long to come to you that I might impart a spiritual gift to you. So I'd like you to all put your hands out. Now, if you don't want any gifts, just put your hands down, and that means I don't want any gifts. But put your hands out, and I'm going to pray for you right now. And uh, by the way, when I pray for you, crazy things are going to happen to you, like crazy good. I mean, some of you that's never dreamed before, you're going to start having dreams. Some of you that dream bad dreams, you're going to start having God dreams. Some of you are going to start having prophetic unctions. Things, things are just going to come to you. Some of you are going to have this, this whole thing about sick people are going to start coming to you. You're going to be like, oh, I can't even do this. You're going to pray for the first person you pray for is going to get healed. You're like, wow, this crazy prophet's true. And so I just release right now gifts that the Holy Spirit would just release his gifts, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of word of knowledge, gift of dreams, and interpretation of dreams. And I want you to say, I receive it for myself. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. Thank you so very much for listening. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at garden.church.